My name is Jay Geekus. I'm one of the organizers of Indie Comic Book Week and comic book artist and writer myself. And you're listening to Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. I'm Aaron. And I'm Polly. And with us today, we have Wayne from Fear the Boot. Welcome, Wayne. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. You know, uh, I, I, of course, am a longtime fan of Fear the Boot, and I was thrilled when they added a host that had some comic book knowledge. So, uh, uh, Wayne, tell us a little bit about how you got into the hobby. Well, I started back when I was in junior high, right around the time of the Age of Apocalypse storyline. Um, pretty much I got in, got hooked, and have been collecting ever since. So, it's almost 20 years worth of collecting. And it's uh, far too many paychecks gone down the down the drain there. <laughs> now, have you done that uh, soul crushing effort of measuring how much money you have spent on comics over the years? Yeah, soul crushing is a good way to put it, <laughs> especially when I figure out every year how much I spend on them, because it's uh, I can't remember a week where I don't spend over twenty dollars each week. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It's been a while since I've spent less than twenty bucks in a week. Yeah. Well, you know, I used to easily get away with it before we started the podcast, but you know, we've said it several times on the show that you know the the more we podcast about it the deeper our pull lists get you know yeah, in, my, in my case i went through the phases of uh when i first started collecting i was a basically i was a kid so i didn't have any money and you're going in trying to figure out which book am i getting this week which am i getting next week to the point now that i go in and anything that looks even remotely interesting i just grab because i can afford it at least yeah. i think i could afford it at that moment yeah well you know and my uh my comic shop is just insidious because right when i think that okay this is going to be a, a, a slow week i don't have to pick up a whole lot, they'll have a sale. And so I was like, yep. crap, I've got to go buy all those trade paperbacks now. <laughs> I have the bad habit of hitting multiple shops. I've got my main shop, but if they miss anything at all, I go to my secondary shop and then I end up buying two or three other things that I never intended to buy. Yeah. That sounds just like me. That is totally me. I hit my main shop because I get a, a nice little discount there too. I'm, I get the cool customer discount, which is mm-hmm. 20% off cover price, which is nice. You know, um, but I don't get that anyplace else. So I go there first to get as much as I can. And if I miss anything, I'm just like, well, crap, start hitting the other shops. I, I have a secondary shop. If they don't have anything, you know, I've got backups. Yep. At my worst, I was actually hitting three shops in one weekend because I had just moved and I felt this loyalty to my original shop. So I had my pool there. I would drive 20 miles to that shop. Then I would drive to the other shop that I liked. And then if it missed anything, I had a third shop I'd go to. And each one I was spending 20 bucks at each place. Yikes. I, you know, I just hit the one shop because they, they just about give me everything I ever need. They meet all my needs. That's good. (laughs) 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 Well, you know, we, we were, as we're recording episode 20, yeah, episode 20 right now, there was a big fear that we weren't going to have Paul on the, on, on the, on the line today. Paul has been enduring weather. (laughs) <laughs> weather <laughs> yeah uh hurricane ida or tropical storm ida i don't know uh we've been getting the remnants of it here in virginia and it's just a nor'easter but you'd think freaking 
Hurricane Katrina blew through the area or something because the power went out. They were totally unprepared. It, you know, luckily I was only without power for two days this, this time. The last time a hurricane came through, I was without power for two weeks. Um, so that was good, but yeah, it's, it's been a, it was, it was very nerve wracking there for a little bit thinking that I wouldn't be able to make this morning's podcast. But yeah, the big fear wasn't that, you know, all the food has gone bad in, in the freezer. It was, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to podcast. <laughs> Actually, if you ask my wife, she'll tell you that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like, son of a bitch. I don't want to record this at Panera Bread, but if I have to, I will. <laughs> if I have I was, to drink coffee and eat a tasty pastry while I record, by God, I'll do it. <laughs> I am so glad to not have to worry about things like hurricanes. Worst things we have here are floods. Yeah. Floods are pretty bad. Where do you live? In Right outside of St. Louis. Oh, okay. So, Paul, did you have to cut a hole in your roof and, and wait to be rescued? I did. I did. And I had to b- have, build a makeshift canoe and... Canoe to safety. Did did you build your canoe out of human flesh? I had to. Yeah, yeah. From the the neighbors next door were annoying. (laughs) Nice. Well, we've got comics this week. We have plenty of comics. The weather did not deter me from going to the comic shop. That's hysterical. Nor did reading in the dark. (laughs) (laughs) Did you use the last few ergs of power in your phone to illuminate your comic book so that you could read? Sure, no, honey. We're not safe, but I've read my comics. <laughs> the bathroom in the dark. I'm still reading. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Blackest Night. There were a couple yes. of books this this week, and a couple of rings. Green Lantern Corps number forty two came out, and you know, Paul, you and I have complained a, a little bit that you know, particularly the last issue of this book really seemed like filler. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, what did you think about uh, number forty two? It's like they were listening to us, and we kept saying nothing happens in this damn book. Um, you know, we, we were, this is non-essential reading, and then bam, they kill off a major character. Yeah, yeah, I was not happy about that either. I am a big fan, so that uh, that was a shocking page for me. Okay, and just so everyone knows, we will spoil this book. So uh, uh, if you don't want to hear how five this, minutes, yeah, skip ahead five minutes. Uh, but uh, th- this is this is your last warning. We are, we will spoil the hell out of this book. And here we go. Um, the, the Kyle death- Rayner died. Yeah, Kyle Rayner. <laughs> you know, I I didn't see it coming. I didn't there, either. It was the, uh, it was out of nowhere for me. And I the, my, I thought it was a cool book. I really enjoyed this issue. Um, but there wasn't any build up to it. And I'm not sure that he had to stay in the center of it for it to occur. I mean, why couldn't he have, have, you know, dropped it and gone? You know, I, I don't quite understand, you know, why it couldn't have functioned more like a grenade in the center of all of those guys. And then him power the force field. I didn't understand why he needed to be at the center of all that. I, I, I think they needed to have built a little bit more on that to show that that was the only option. Because he seemed to kind of run headlong into, time to sacrifice myself. Yeah, I still have the hope they're going to bring him back. Because, I mean, if they can bring Hal back, they can bring him back. Yeah. But my fear is that we'll see a Black Lantern ring next week, or next month. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the... Uh, That's a good point. You know, that last page where it shows him dead. One of the things I kind of found interesting about it is that, you know, his face, his arms, his torso all seem fine. But his foot is broken off. <laughs> I was like, that's kind of an interesting choice there. 
I don't it, think it's it, broken it, off. I think it's in the, in the ash. Oh, is that what you think <laughs> that is? Oh, yeah. Because look like, at his arm. Otherwise, it looks like a piece of his arm is missing. See, and I thought that a piece of his arm was missing. I wasn't. It, it does. It. I didn't think that he was in the ash. I got it now. Okay. I would hold hope that he's not really dead if the ring wasn't flying away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, this is. The, in the on the cover for next issue, they show um, Guy Gardner as a Red Lantern, and so I guess this is probably the impetus that causes him to become a Red Lantern. Yeah, have all that rage. But you know, that's um, I'm that, sad. I mean, yeah, I like Kyle. Rick. He's actually my favorite Lantern, you know, other than Kilowog. I agree. He was my Lantern for a long time. Yeah, I you know I enjoyed his his series when he took over the book. Um, as the main character, um, I Kyle has been my lantern. I, I've never been a big fan of Hal Jordan, so you know, for I'm sure that you know, for guys our age, this is a lot bigger of a deal than for guys, you know, than for the older guys or for the younger guys. You know, I think that you know that it's the '90s lantern who's died, and I'm sure that there, there's a whole lot of folks who are like, meh. Cal Reiner can go ahead and die, not a big deal. My concern is I'm not I'm not convinced they'll bring him back. Because the, the the field is so deep with human lanterns, you know, he he may be the character that they decide to leave dead for a while. I would have much rather seen Guy Gardner die, to be honest with you. Well, you know, and, and I'm I think, not a Guy Gardner fan. I'm, I'm not either. I, I'm not either. But you know, Guy Gardner has a a definite role within the Green Lantern Corps and within the DC universe. Yeah. He, he's the he's the the asshole Green Lantern. Um, Kyle Rayner is is really rather a duplicate of Hal Jordan. Um, yeah, DC didn't seem to know what to do with him when they made him Ion, and they still didn't seem to know what to do with him when they made him an Honor Lantern. You know, uh, I I, I kind of think it's one of those you know Kyle Rayner lifts right up. And don't get me wrong, I love Kyle and I want Kyle back, but I I kind of have a sense that DC will leave him dead for a while. You know, I tend to agree. DC really hasn't known what to do with them since they brought Hal back. Yeah. The whole Ion thing, I was looking forward to that, and it, it was not good. It didn't go anywhere. No. Yeah. Well, uh, well the- neither did the, the following. I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to say neither did the, the second Ion. Um, yeah, what's the- that guy's name? He died, too. Well, is he dead, or is he just in the middle of that sun and has to stay there? I couldn't tell. if it, was, was, Is he really dead? I don't know. Maybe he's just stuck in the middle of the sun. Because, you know, he had to go and you know turn that sun yellow so that all the people on, on his uh, Daxamite, right, or Daxum. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, had to, you know, so that they could all have, you know, Kryptonian-like powers and, and you know, beat off the, uh, poor choice of words, <laughs> uh, you know, beat, <laughs> defend against <laughs> the... Uh, the Sinestro Club. Correct. Thank you. Golly, get out of that one. But, you know, I guess he can't be dead because he's in uh, Legion of Three Worlds. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was the last Lantern <laughs> left alive there. We all liked Green Lantern Corps. Am I am I correct with that? Yeah. Paul? I enjoyed it. It, yeah. it was better than the previous couple of issues. Yeah, it felt like it was going somewhere. It, it produced an emotional response when I saw Kyle dead, and that's uh, always – an emotional response to a comic is always a good thing, even if it makes you angry. And, you know, one thing I, I guess I, I want to mention before uh, – uh, we leave this book. You know, it, it seems to me that the wizened blue gnomes that are the uh, uh, guardians of, you know, that are the guardians, you know, seem to be awfully stupid. <laughs> you know, they, they they create their uh, their alpha lanterns, and the alpha lanterns are just, you know, not wise. <laughs> you know, you've got the red lantern out there who's kicking all kinds of ass, and and you know, taking care of the black lanterns, and the alpha lantern sh- shows up and. Kills him. Yeah. Yep. That, that that did seem pretty stupid. 
and you know, I understand what they're what they're trying to show. Is I, you know, they're 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 showing that the Guardians are not a, a, as smart as we'd like them to be. And of course, the Guardians have kind of been infiltrated from the get go. But uh, I, I just for people who are supposed to be supremely wise, uh, they are not. And it, it seems like I, I have to question the, the the Green Lanterns who follow their lead. And I think that's kind of maybe where this is going. Is I think we're going to have a whole new status quo on how uh, the Lanterns are led at the at, on the other side of Blackest Night. Because I, I can't see how any of these guys follow the uh, Guardians' leadership after all this is said and done. Good point. It's if the Guardians are even around, because didn't most of them die? I, I'm not sure that all of them are dead yet. You know, I, we saw them all get, you know, uh, wind up in the dark. So I don't know if they're being, you know, tortured, subjected, if all their hearts have been ripped out yet. But, you know, I think it's a good question. It's pretty hard to kill a Guardian unless you're Hal Jordan. Right. <laughs> So the other Blackest Night book this week was Booster Gold number 26. Wayne, what'd you think of that? You know, Booster Gold's one of the first titles I read every week when I get it. I mean, I absolutely love the book. I don't feel it needed a Blackest Night tie-in, but it still seemed to be as good as usual. Yeah. My only real issues are they tried too hard to pull an emotional response out of you. Yeah. They spent too many scenes just focusing on Booster's face dealing with remembering Beetle and Mm-hmm. Basically, they just tried too hard. Yeah, I, you know, I, I read the book last night and enjoyed it. I, I enjoy, you know, the Blue Beetle who, who guest stars in the book, you know, the, the current Blue Beetle, Jaime Reyes. Uh, I, so I get a kick out of him. I've enjoyed the, the co-features with Blue Beetle, and so it's nice to see him, you know, throughout the book. Um, I always enjoy Rip Hunter. Uh, in fact, I, I picked up the Time Master trade paperback uh, this week that uh, Bob Wayne – did back in the 90s when they were kind of uh, reimagining how time travel works in the DC universe. And it's all a big Rip Hunter book, uh, which I thoroughly enjoy, highly recommend. But uh, I liked the book. I liked it better than some of the other Blackest Night tie-ins we've seen. But I, I, I agree. They really tried hard to, to generate that emotional response, make you feel, uh, you know, oh, gosh, this is heart crushing that, that Blue Beetle is here. And I think this is probably one of the least surprising events we've seen in the Blackest Night books, because you just knew that Blue Beetle was coming back. If anybody was coming back, Blue Beetle was coming back. You know, and they seem to be ignoring the fact that Booster just, you know, within the last 12 issues or so, has seen Blue Beetle. Right. What the uh, Black Lanterns have been doing, you know, is making the survivors feel bad about actions and, their, and you know, relating to their deaths or, or whatnot. And I was kind of going, well, you know, how uh, how's, you know... The uh, Black Lantern Ted Cord going to pull that off because of anyone, Booster Gold went back in time, changed the timeline, and was willing to, you know, sacrifice everybody to bring Ted back. You know, and that's my question is if Ted willingly went back, willingly gave himself up again, yeah. wouldn't he be at rest? I was kind of thinking the same thing because, you know, we've seen where the, where the, where the rings could not bring people back who were at peace. And, uh, uh, I, so it surprised me that he was able to that, that they were able to bring Blue Beetle back. I mean, it surprised me in that regard. I mean, I knew that they would have it, but that you know the ring wouldn't hover over the grave, going you know Blue Beetle at peace. You know, so yeah. I, I, to your point, I, I I do think that's a little surprising and in, inconsistent. Now, Paul, you read it as well, right? Yeah, and you know, I haven't read a Booster Gold issue. I think since I think it was that Black and Blue story arc, or. Was it black and blue or blue and gold? I'm sorry. <laughs> the blue and gold story arc. And uh, so, I mean, I've been out of the loop for about 10 to 12 issues. Um, I don't think it was a bad issue. I, I mean, I like Dan Jurgens or Jurgens. Um, it, it 
felt a little like something I've already seen before. Um, you know, because we've seen, like you said, we've seen Booster Gold kind of make peace already with this. So it, it just kind of seemed a little, I don't know, it seemed a little backtracking just in order to build up to the appearance of, you know, the Black Lantern Ted Cord. I don't know. Out of the uh, out of the tie-in issues this month, it's probably the only one that is probably worth buying. Right. And yeah, it, all the Blackest Night tie-ins. And it did come with the Orange Lantern ring. Yes, it did. Which I'm wearing and, right uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody read Rebels number 10, um, which also came up this week with the Blue Lantern ring, I yes, think. Yes, it was the Blue Lantern ring. And, you know, my uh, comic shop guy kept trying to sell it to me. He's like, well, here, here's Rebels, and you get a ring with it. I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> I mean, let's actually, to be honest with you, I, I, I looking at it because I'm looking, I'm glancing through the issue right now. I did read this. <laughs> you, re- you read Rebels. Uh, I read Rebels number ten. That's how much of an impact it made on me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, sadly, the art is halfway decent by uh, Andy Clark. Uh-huh. Art's pretty good, and unlike. Every other Blackest Night tie-in I've read, they make a point of explaining the history of the Rebels so that this could be a good jumping-on point, so that you understand everything that's leading up to this. They have like three or four pages in the front that actually you know, go through the history of the Rebels. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still kind of strikes me a little bit, honestly, like Legion of Superheroes, in that there's a lot of characters I don't know, and they don't seem really important enough for me to care about. So I'm not going to pick it up. But to be honest with you, it wasn't a horrible issue. It was certainly better than that piece of crap last week, Doom Patrol. But, you know, those, um, those two books make me glad my shop is selling uh, the rings for $2 a piece. Basically, <laughs> instead of buying the ring for three ninety nine, I'm buying it for $2. Right. That's good. But you know, if you don't have a shop, this is a good point to, to plug our contest. Absolutely. Because if you don't have a shop that's selling those rings separately and uh, you have to buy these pieces of crap books, except for Booster Gold, um, we are giving away a full set of the rings, including the Black Lantern ring that came out with uh, Black Knight number one a couple months back. Um, and all you have to do is leave a comment on any podcast this month. Um, on any podcast on our site. <laughs> any, <laughs> any any episode of Funny Books with Aaron and Polly from this month, uh, starting last week's uh, with last week's episode, um, to be entered into the random drawing to win the full set of eight rings. It's a that's a that's a pretty cool contest. I've had people ask me, yeah, how how have uh, how did you get those? You know, when I'm like, man, you know, Paul's working his connections. I have, in, I have, in fact, and, uh, Paul, I was offered a bribe this week. It <laughs> was. I had a I had a uh, listener offer me a bribe, and I'm like, you need to go bribe Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I should reach out and say, you know, because he's doing us this nice favor. Uh, thanks to Richard at Heroes and Villains Comics in Hampton, Virginia, for uh, providing the rings to for this contest. It was his idea. It wasn't ours because you know I don't give a crap. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but. <laughs> But, you know, he, he thought it would be a good idea, and I think it's a great idea. So he's providing uh, the full set of rings for one lucky listener. So you don't and, – and sadly, so you don't have to buy some of those crappy tie-ins. Yeah, because honestly, I think the rest are – seem just as bad. Yeah, yeah. No, if you would have told me two years ago that one of the first books I would read every week when I get it was Booster Gold, I would have never believed it. But 
Oh, I'm right there with you. You know, uh, Booster Gold's always been a joke. In fact, I was commenting on Booster Gold last week, and uh, one of the guys that follows me on Twitter made a comment. He's like, "Are you kidding me, Booster Gold?" And I'm like, "Oh man, Booster Gold's awesome. You know, this 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 current run uh, with Dan Jurgens is fantastic." You know, he's like, "Well, I'll, I'll check it out." You know, based on your recommendation, he says, "But boy, I hated it back in the '90s." And, you know, I, I love this book. I, I think Booster Gold is is the funnest book in the DC universe, and it is consistently good, and I love the, the different historic points that it takes us within the DC universe. I, I can't believe it's taken this long to get a book like this over at DC. Yeah, I'm a big continuity fan, so that's one of the things I really like about it is jumping in and out of the old storylines. Oh, yeah. Well, it's just nice to revisit and go, oh, yeah, zero hours suck. (laughs) 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 But uh, so our next book, uh, we're going to have our our Batman update. Yes, I did it. I bought Batman and Robin number six. You know, I really think think we need to host an intervention. But clearly, I can't do that with Wayne on because Wayne read this book too. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, it it has a pink cover. Um, the villain is Flamingo. He's a new Batman villain called Flamingo, and he's just about as fleshed out as the last Batman villain Grant Morrison introduced, that one in the first arc, Doctor Pig or whatever. Um, you know, it, it it's it, and it, the same premise. Honestly, Batman and Robin get tied up. They escape, they beat up the bad guys, something shocking happens at the end, issue's over. Personally, I am getting tired of Jason Todd. I liked the character when he first came back, I liked what they were doing with him, and now it's just, he's just been a whiny brat. It's like, everything they did character development-wise when they brought him back, they took him back to what he was as Robin. Yeah, I, I honestly liked when Judd Winnick was writing him, like like you said, when he first came back, um, and he was the Red Hood, or the Red, yeah, the Red Hood. Mm-hmm. Um and he's the Red Hood again, but I just don't like the way Grant Morrison writes him. I just I, – I don't like – I didn't like the storyline. I really didn't. And not that that's a shocker to me because I, did, I haven't liked a single issue of the series. But then they piss you off because you – I don't know. You said you couldn't get all the way through to the end. Um, but the last two pages of the issue are uh, – spoilers on – Dick Grayson going into a secret vault, I guess – in his new Batcave, where the body of Bruce Wayne is stored. That makes no sense at all, since his skull's missing. And yeah, so well, I don't. So well, it even says in the um, it says coming next week, or you know, next in Batman and Robin, Blackest Night, um, but Night with a K. So you know, and they've even said that Batman and Robin, I think number seven, does tie into Blackest Night. So they kind of that's one of the reasons they gave Blackest Night that skip month because Batman and Robin needed to come out first. Crap. So I think that's going to be answered is why they have Batman's body, but Black Glove, Black Hand, has a skull. <laughs> Black yeah. Glove. <laughs> and the fact that there even is a body that's really his, apparently, because it is his skull when he's not really dead. Yeah, which I guess will be answered somewhere along the line because, I mean, I don't know. It's all very confusing. I'm hoping they answer it all. It pisses me off that I have to buy Black, Batman and Robin just to figure out what the hell's going on because it just confuses me more. One, it irritates me that I'm going to have to pick up Batman and Robin to get that book because, you know, it is key to the Blackest Night story. Yeah, and even though I don't even think it's going to have a Blackest Night banner on it, they're just saying it is key to the Blackest Night story. Yeah. Um, you know, you one know, thing one thing that I like about what's going on in Batman right now is, you know, obviously we have, you know, 
Bruce Wayne is presumed dead by most of most of the world. And you know, we as readers know he's not dead because we've seen him alive, you know, at the end of Final Crisis. What I like about it is that, you know, we get to kind of be in on the mystery as to, okay, so we know he's alive. How are they going to restore him is kind of the question. And how are the how are the current heroes going to find out and, and figure it out? Um, I, I like that they're not trying to tell us, oh, no, no, he's dead. Batman is dead. Dead, dead, dead. You know, when we all know they're going to come back because that's what we do in comic books. So yeah. I, I, I really do think that this is kind of a an interesting twist on it that, you know, everybody else didn't know about it. But we as the readers know what's going on and how and, and that, that it is going to happen. It's a question of when and it's a question of how. And, and, I, and I think that's rather effective here because it's so easy to get jaded. In these kind of storylines, I hear people complain about, well, you know, that's just a, a common comic book trope where you remove the, the hero. I, I like the way they're handling this, where we're all not supposed to, you know, try and believe that Batman's really dead. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the idea. Um, I would almost be, well, I don't know. I, I would almost be curious to know what's going on with Bruce Wayne right now. You know, it, it would almost be interesting to have, you know, the Bruce Wayne set, you know, series set in that time and what adventures he may be on or, you know, kind of t- maybe almost as a co-feature mm-hmm. in Red Robin. I would put money that they're going to do that at some point as a mini series after they bring him back. Yeah. Kind of like a, a Batman year zero or something, you know, yeah. Batman year 10,000 BC. <laughs> exactly. Um, something like that. But, you know, the, it, it's sad because Batman and Robin we're being told is an important book. Um, nothing important has happened yet. Of course, I guess something important is going to happen next issue. But damn, what a piece of crap! <laughs> <laughs> well, what about Batman six ninety three? How was that? That's the you know that's the Tony Daniels book, right? Yeah. And I'm not reading it anymore. I'm waiting for Judd to come back. But what'd you guys think of that? It was better than think? Batman and Robin. I'll put it that way. Yeah. It was better than Batman and Robin, and actually, I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed the first issue of the storyline. I really enjoyed the uh, the sexual tension between Huntress and Hush. It was you interesting. Know, yeah, it was it was definitely interesting because Huntress she has sexual tension with Hush and with Dick Grayson to a certain extent. I I, I actually thought the issue was halfway decent. The only thing, um, and you know, we're going into a lot of spoilers in this episode. There is a there is an explosion, and somehow this explosion causes the Riddler to go crazy again. Um, and the Riddler, Edward Nigma, has been an, uh, a detective for, I don't know, I think about two years now, maybe even more. He's been a good guy. He's been, you know, a, a private detective. And this issue made him a villain again. I, I just thought it was stupid the way it was handled. And I, I, I'm kind of pissed off about it because I really liked the Riddler as a private detective, just mm-hmm. kind of a, a comic foil to Batman, you know, who was trying to solve the same type of crimes. Um, and now they're bringing him back as a villain. And he was never real. I mean, I never thought the Riddler was that successful as a villain. No, he was much more interesting. Just like you said, as a comic foil to Batman, trying to solve the same crimes, but not worried about actually really solving them. You know, I just it, it kind of bums me out because it, it, it wasn't a big deal. It was just kind of thrown in this issue. It was poorly done. It doesn't even make any sense. There's an explosion and he's crazy again. Yeah, the Huntress was in the explosion, too, and she's fine. <laughs> well, as fine as she ever is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I just... It's not a. It's better than the first issue, and it's better than Batman and Robin, but it's still not as good as what Judd Winnick was doing on the title when he was on it. Waiting for Judd, that's me. Now, uh, I didn't read Batgirl, but I think that came out this week. Did you read that, Wayne? Yep, I have been reading it because I am a big fan of Stephanie as a character. Are you really? Well, 
I have basically I've hunted down every issue of Robin she had ever been in. I read the every spoiler one shot they've done. I read everything when she was Robin, and they generally have DC likes to basically uh, mistreat the character, but I'm still a big fan of the character. This is sarcasm, right? No. <laughs> wow. Okay. You're the guy. You're that. You're that guy out there that likes spoiler and likes Stephanie Brown. Uh, Paul, you and I've been looking for this person. <laughs> we have. We have. <laughs> there he is. I know there are a couple of us, but there's not many. So uh, tell us about uh, Batgirl this week. Uh, well, this week she faces uh, a Superman villain, actually, Livewire. Hmm. But. I want this book to be good because I love the character. I really want it to be good. The artwork is bothering me. The facial expressions are always wrong. When they do a zoom in, it just doesn't look right. doesn't look natural for a person. The story's not bad, but it's not great either. Yeah. I was expecting more from it. I really liked the uh, previous Batgirl series. I, I, I really, you know, Cassandra Kane I thought was a terrific Batgirl. And I got excited when I heard that Stephanie Brown was going to be the new Batgirl. And I just, that, that first three issues... Didn't do a thing for me, and that's why I jumped off. And you know, I chastised Paul about it because Paul was out after after the first issue. But uh, I, I just, I man, I could not get into that. Try as I might, I'm enjoying the book because I like the character, not because yeah. it's a good book. And I know that as I read through it. I mean, I am not liking all the stuff with Wendy from Teen Titans in here. I mean, it's it seems to be as much of an Oracle book as it is a Batgirl book right now. See, and I'd be more interested in an Oracle book just from the way that they're they're treating the Batgirl character. You know, I, if you're going to do a, a Batgirl book, I just I just want it to be terrific. I want it to be great. I don't see any, a reason to go in and do it half-assed, which is what I think they've done. Yeah, and so I like the character. I want this one to be good, but yeah. I know that I'm only enjoying it because I like the character. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry it wasn't better for you, Wayne. It, <laughs> I still hold hopes. I will still keep buying it. I will probably still keep being disappointed, but... I'm just glad she's not dead. Now, continuing to exercise questionable judgment, Paul and Wayne both read Red Robin. Yeah. But you know what? Each issue of this series, I think, gets better. Maybe it's just me. A lot of what I just said about Batgirl can be said here, too. I really liked him as a character. Oh, same here. Robin. I want this book to be good. And there are things I like about it. There are things I'm enjoying about it. But it's not living up to what I want it to potential-wise. I agree. It's. It, I think it's taking too long to get there. I think this could be a great book. Um, I really like where it's going. I, I think it's... But I, like you said, you know, I, I think I'm giving it leeway because I love Tim as a character. Um, and, you know, it's... But, I don't know, the storyline's taking a little long to get up and running. And the good, even though it's the same writer, it feels like it's getting better, but, you know, it, it has taken a while to get there. Um and I think one thing that helped in Red Robin number six is the artist changed. Um, it's now Marcus Toe from um, like the Aspen books, like Fathom and all those. Uh, and he's the new artist on it. And I think his art is far and away better than the last guy. So I'm finding in this title that I'm liking everything with Tim out of costume better than anything he spends in costume. And that may be just because I really don't like the Red Robin costume. Oh, that costume is terrible. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I, kind of, I see where you're coming from. I really do. I, I like a lot of the side storylines more than I even like, you know, like you said, the Red Robin stuff. I don't like the name either. It's a, it's bothered me. Maybe if there wasn't a restaurant chain of the same name, but every time I see it, I have the jingle pop into my head. <laughs> Red Robin. Red Robin. Yum. Well, and I just keep expecting the, the bottomless basket of french fries. <laughs> That's the issue. <laughs> so what um, I want to see at some point is him come back, get back with Stephanie, and that relationship happen again. And then both books start living up to their potential that they're not doing right now. 
See, and I, I, I agree. I, you know, hopefully on the other side of, uh, you know, the blackest night and the, uh, the, re- the return of Bruce Wayne, you know, there'll be an opportunity to maybe even have a team book, you know, Red Robin and, and Batgirl. You know? I mean, how good was it when we, we used to have uh, Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon as, you know, Robin and Batgirl. Oh, those were excellent books. I mean, you know, those old Batman family books where you would have a, a feature in the back with with uh, Robin and Batgirl were, were some of my favorite you know stories. I, I loved those books. And I think we can have a great parallel here. It just isn't happening yet. Yeah. And hopefully yeah. it'll get there, and hopefully these books can survive long enough for that interest to be maintained, because I really worry about both of these titles. Because, wow, as forgiving as I can be for for, for for comic books, I tried. <laughs> I think I did two issues of Red Robin and three issues of Batgirl, and wow. I keep saying I'm dropping Red Robin, and I keep buying it every week. Well, and you know, I, I, I'm sad to say I think I am completely out of the Batman universe now until, well, except for Detective Comics. And then I'll jump back on the Batman title when Jed Winnick returns, you know, you and, and I'm no, I'm no Batman fiend like Paul is, but, uh, you know, I do enjoy my Batman. In fact, you know, I picked up finally, Paul, I picked up, uh, Hush volumes one and two, uh, in trade paperback this week. Oh, nice. I have never read them. So this is going to be a whole brand new read for me. So. Very exciting. There are better storylines, but, you know, it's pretty to look at. I felt it suffered from one of the things DC tends to do, and that's they know how to start a story really well. They get the story going, they do a good beginning, a good middle, and then they have a problem with the finish. Well, and I think that's true of Jeff Loeb in particular. It's kind of like sex. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I consider any finish to be a good one there. Paul (laughs) is speaking for himself. Well, our next book in kind of a Batman theme, but uh, over in the Marvel Universe, is Moon Knight, or Vengeance of the Moon Knight, I should say. And this is a book that, uh, gosh, I think me, you, and Jonathan really extolled the virtues of in the first issue. And so here we are three issues in. Uh, I read the first issue when it came out, and I enjoyed it too, especially after the last run of Moon Knight that led up to it. Yeah. I didn't get the the most recent issue, but... I liked that they were trying to bring him back into more of the superhero role yeah. and kind of back to core. So uh, you didn't read number three? I didn't. Okay, Paul, you but you read it as well, didn't you, though, Paul? I did, I did. Okay. What would you think? I liked it. I still liked it. Uh, and I think I liked it almost more because the, this issue primarily doesn't even have Moon Knight in it. He's in it for a couple of pages, but it's mostly focused on um, villains. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought it was well done. I thought the art really served the story and helped make it creepy. I thought um, the artwork was beautiful in this book yeah i i I, you know the only thing that makes this book not as good as it should be is because i read the punisher i read the first six issues of the punisher which have the same artist jerome pena um and a different writer rick remender writes those Mm -hmm. and it is largely the same storyline oh really the punisher returns he has it out for norman osborne the hood comes in the hood brings back dead villains to try to get back at him it is literally the exact same storyline with the exact same artist. Oh, that's just. And it seems like cop out because we know that Norman Osborn is not going to be taken out by the Punisher or by Moon Knight, especially not the Punisher now when they go into the whole Frankencastle thing. Exactly. You know, and at least that storyline kind of came to a head because you know Castle died. Whereas you know they're not going to kill Moon Knight. I don't think it's just uh, I, like you said. It's kind of a cop out. But the sad thing is, both books are really damn good. I mean, what did you, did you actually like the issue other than the art, Aaron? I, I have one issue with the book and that is, 
I have never liked Bushman. And when they killed off Bushman in the previous series, I'm like, great! We can now have Moon Knight stories that don't have Bushman in them. And of course, you know, Bushman is brought back from the from the grave to fight Moon Knight. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, is there not anybody else in the world who can beat up Moon Knight? You know, why do we have to, you know, resurrect this guy? Because I have to tell you, as as nicely as he's drawn in this book, I really dislike the Bushman character. And I've disliked the Bushman character all the way back from the original story back in, what, the 80s. I just, I don't care for him. And he seems to be a one-beat character. And, you know, maybe they're going to bring something to the Bushman character that that uh, is, you know, interesting to the story. But right now, I'm much more interested in the profiler guy, you know, who's who's uh, we've seen in, in all three issues. You know, I, I like that guy and I like everything else that's going on. In fact, I loved the Spider-Man appearance in this book. Yeah, I actually enjoyed that. Now, who's the Scarecrow ripoff in this book? Honestly, I think his name might be the Scarecrow. Or maybe it's <laughs> – uh, I, I, isn't there a villain in the Marvel Universe called the Scarecrow? I'm sure there probably is. I think is. there is. But, you know, it does seem – I mean, the parallels to uh, Batman – just are really thick in this book because there is a scarecrow character in the book. And then they do go to the insane asylum, which looks curiously like Arkham asylum, you know, to free all the other bad guys. So, I mean, you know, the parallels are very, very close. Um, But other than that, you know, I I do like the book. The book remains on my pull list and the artwork is just beautiful. I really enjoy the artwork and it is creepy and the lobotomies that they're performing on the inmates uh, to make them join up into the army is just gross and disturbing. Yeah. This, this book is completely for me. Yeah. And that is, and by the way, I looked it up. His name is Scarecrow. Huh. So, um, so yeah, it, it's like reading a Marvel Batman book. It yeah, really is. It really is. Uh, it really is. <laughs> except Bushman, I guess, I don't know. He would be almost the Jason Todd mixed with the Joker or something. I don't or, know. Or perhaps Bane. <laughs> or Two-Face. Yeah. There are so many parallels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But and, yeah, uh, it's a good book. It's a good book. I, I just, I'm, I, I'm hoping they do something good with the Bushman character because that might be enough for me to stop reading at some point. Because I've, yeah. I've really had a hard time with the Bushman character in the past. Now, I will say for anyone who's enjoying Moon Knight, highly, highly, highly recommend um, the first trade paperback of the new Punisher series by Rick Remender. And I get and the same artist. Remember, Jerome Opeña. Um, I guess it follows a lot of the same story beats, and I, I think it's excellent. I it's the best Punisher I've read in a long time. Yeah, I enjoy Rick Remender's writing. I, however, am very nervous about the whole Frankie Castle thing. I don't see any way it can possibly be good. I'm I'm worried about it too. But you know, I've enjoyed everything up to this point. Have you been reading the Punisher? Uh, I've been in and out of Punisher. It's not one of my buy every weeks, but it is. Pretty much every, uh, you know, every couple months or so, I'll pick up a new issue. Going into a little bit of spoiler territory with the Punisher, you know, like I said, this first storyline is essentially the same storyline that we're seeing in Moon Knight. Villains, you know, the Hood comes back, the Hood versus Punisher. Punisher, you know, does battle with the Sentry, just like Moon Knight did. Um, like I said, a lot of the same story beats. And right before the Dark Reign, the list that we saw, um, that we talked about, I think, last week with Jonathan, uh, the issue of the Punisher where... He got all chopped up. Um, Punisher did battle with the Hood. And the Hood resurrected his family from the dead, because that's what the Hood does. And the Punisher killed them all. And I just, I, I, I it was such, it was so tragic. I, I just, the, 
I just really have loved everything Remender's done with the book. Um, but I think that's one of the defining Punisher moments. And then he followed it up by slicing them all up. So yeah, I, I, the Frankencastle may be a stupid premise, but I've got faith that maybe he'll make it good. I don't know. We'll see. But I recommend picking up that run if you like Moon Knight, because it, it is largely very similar. Now, you know, uh, Spider-Man made an appearance in, in this week's issue of Moon Knight. And I think you also read uh, the current Amazing Spider-Man issue. Yes, he did make an appearance in that as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Wayne, I know you read it as well. What did you guys think? Uh, it Horrible artwork. Story was... There was potential for the story, but it just wasn't there. It, I didn't make it all the way through it, even. It was that bad. Ouch. It really is that bad. I was pissed off because, you know, we we talked about this, that Marvel was advertising the gauntlet. And so I started picking up Spider-Man thinking the gauntlet had begun. And I was wrong. It begins in Amazing Spider-Man 612. So, but I was already in it. So I started reading that whole um, Who is Ben Riley storyline. Yep, that's where they brought me back because I haven't done Spider-Man since One More Day, and I I am missing Spider-Man, and I'm not getting the fix in Ultimate Spider-Man anymore because I'm not happy with the direction of that title. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. You know, so the 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 actual who was Ben Riley storyline really wasn't half bad. Um, I didn't think it was great, but it really wasn't half bad. It more pissed me off because I was expecting the Gauntlet. And I guess this was kind of just a, a fill-in issue between that and the gauntlet, so the gauntlets can start in 612. And I really wish I had just waited until issue 612 to pick it up. Because <laughs> this book is freaking awful. It really is. Like you said, the art is atrocious. I don't even um, think Deadpool fans will be happy with this one. I mean, no, I mean, because it's, it's stupid. It really is just stupid. It's like, I don't even know how the, the art style uh, is so bad. I don't know how that makes it past editing yeah it's it like how do we oh, yeah i mean this is marvel's you know one of marvel's key titles why are we going to put someone crappy on the art you know i i really you know it, it's deadpool pops up he he's hired to basically keep spider-man busy and the story doesn't even make any sense because he's hired to keep spider-man busy so that spider-man doesn't interact with some other people so that they could kidnap someone it's, it's kind of silly the way it's put together um and i just it's it involves a lot of breaking the the fourth wall or whatever. You know, there's a lot of talking to the reader and things like that, which can be fun sometimes. But it just it just struck me as really dumb in this issue. Um, you know, they had pictures from around the Marvel office of people who introduced <laughs> the uh, the storyline. I, I thought that was pointless. I just really hated this issue. I hated it. Like, with the heat of a thousand flames, I hated this issue. So uh, there's really not a good Spider-Man title out there right now. I hope. I hope the gauntlet is good. It's written by, is it Mark Wade? Um, yeah, Mark Wade and Paul Azaketa as the artist. And it starts next week. I, I hope. I hope Amazing Spider-Man is good. Because you're right. Right now, there is not a good Spider-Man title on the market at all. Well, you know, Mark Wade also wrote uh, Strange Number One, the uh, return to uh, Doctor Strange to a to a uh, miniseries. I guess this is issue one of four. Yeah. You know, Paul, we talked about this a little bit last week, and you know, we admired the preview cover art, but you had said that you you'd seen uh, some interior artwork and that you weren't real happy with the manga style that the book was being presented in. 
It's actually why I didn't pick up the book is uh, I'm a big strange fan too. And I looked through it and I couldn't get past the art. I tell you, you know, I, the art was a big problem for me. I, I picked it up because I, I do like Dr. Strange so much. And I've been so pleased with what they're doing on Dr. Voodoo that, you know, I wanted to see what they were doing with Dr. Strange. And I think the artistic style is a huge mistake. Well, let's be honest. It's not just the artistic style that I didn't like of this book. The story was stupid. Yeah. It I mean, was it was not a Doctor Strange book. No, it really and, wasn't. And I got to tell you, you know, when you open up that first page and, you know, they do that thing that Marvel does where they kind of tell you a little bit about the character, what's gone before, that kind of thing. I was really interested, you know, because they, they, they had a cropping from, you know, Steve Ditko art from, you know, the, the earlier Doctor Strange books. And then they had a clipping from, you know, something more recent. And I was like, oh, yeah, this looks great. This looks great. I like the tone that they're already setting. And then you, oh, you flipped over to the next page and, you know. It's all this manga crap. It dawned on me midway through the book that it does have a similar look to the recent animated movie. Uh, you know, I didn't even think about that. I, do, you, do you agree? Does it does it look a little bit? I see it I, now that you mention it, but I wouldn't have I wouldn't have caught it on my own. Well, and I'm, I'm kind of wondering because you know I think that 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 direct to DVD Doctor Strange movie was actually fairly successful, and I'm wondering if maybe that wasn't yeah you know, that wasn't the reason to go this way. But I do expect a whole lot better from Mark Wade. You know, I kept expecting I'm going to, you know, this is a Mark Wade book. I generally like what Mark Wade writes. I, I was surprised at how much I disliked the story. Yeah. I mean, the story is just, it's stupid. I yeah. mean, it, it's, you know, demons have possessed a baseball game. Doctor Strange needs to play baseball to win. It felt like something that I would expect in a Marvel Adventures title, you know, the all ages yeah. titles. That's what it felt like to me. Now, I will say, you know, if, if I was somebody who enjoyed manga style art, I think I, I would probably would have enjoyed this book because there is, are some really nice action pieces, you know, in the game. Again, stupid story, but you know, there, there it's full page art, um, a lot of just you know rather interesting movement. I just don't care for the style, so it was rather lost on me. But I, but if you're someone who likes that kind of thing, which is to say, if you like crap, you're going <laughs> to enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there were some there were some things in the book that I that I did like. I you know I I liked him enchanting uh, the girl's eyeglasses so that she could see what was really going on. You know, yeah. I, and I liked you know she she says throughout the book you know her her and we're we're gonna spoil this so you know sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, I liked that uh, you know she she's got the glasses and she can see and she's trying to you know help her her, her granddad ad her granddad out who. Uh, coaches or manages the team and of course he dies you know and she's like you know he always called me his little princess and you know at the very end of the book she puts her glasses on looks in the mirror and she sees herself as that little princess and i i did think that was a nice moment rather lost on me because of how much i dislike the artistic style and how much i dislike the story um the guy who's doing the cover uh the cover art uh, which they don't list here who the cover artist is am i missing that paul i don't think it's that emma rios I don't think it is either. And that's a good point. They don't list the cover artist. But the cover art is awesome. You know, they need to have that person draw on this book because, you know, that would that would have me all over it. So I, I think I'm probably not picking up issue two. I'm with you. I'm done with it. Yeah, I really am. It, it makes me sad. I, I was really hoping for an awesome Doctor Strange book. I was too. Like you said, because Doctor Voodoo was so good. Yeah. I mean, why would they do this to Doctor Strange? I just didn't like it. No, sir. I didn't like it. Now, uh, two other first issues came out uh, this week. 
Following up on the Realm of Kings storyline, we got issue one of five of Imperial Guard, which of course is written by the uh, the science fiction team of Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. Uh, the art is provided by Kevin Walker, and you know features your your classic Imperial Guard characters from the uh, Shi'ar Empire. Following up from you know Gladiator becoming uh, the Magister or the ruler of the Shi'ar Empire. This is, was a strong first issue. This is action from page to page to page. You can see that there is a lot of uh, political action going on behind the scenes. You know, you, you can already sense that there's going to be, you know, some struggle for the throne despite the fact that, you know, Gladiator's sitting on it. Um, and at the end of the book, you know, you're, you're, as I was reading through this going, well, come on, where are the Star Jammers? I haven't seen the Star Jammers yet. Of course, they've got to have the Star Jammers, and they show up on the last page, and there'll be an issue, too. Uh, I won't say anything more than that and give you guys an opportunity to read it, but, you know, really, really enjoyed Imperial Guard. The artwork was outstanding. The story was outstanding. Uh, I am hoping that this gets enough interest to have an ongoing Imperial Guard title, because that's something that I would really be interested in. I might actually go ahead and get that. I mean, I've always liked the characters, but I've been kind of jaded by X-Men since uh, the late 90s. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm not, I'm not a big X fan myself. But I am reading an X-Men uh, spinoff book, Sword, because it's got uh, uh, Beast uh, and uh, Lockheed, the, the uh, Kitty Pride's dragon, in it. And I got to tell you... When I started this book, I was unhappy with the artwork. <laughs> what I what's rather amusing is they try to sell you on the John Cassidy cover, but John Cassidy, I don't think he did the I don't think he did the pencils on it. I think he did the finishes on the cover because the body proportions don't look like anything you'd see from John Cassidy. Uh, it certainly looks like his finishings. And so it shows, I, I was looking in the, in the credits because I was like, you know, who the hell did this cover? Cause it's not John Cassidy, Laura Martin. It says cover artists, John Cassidy with Laura Martin. And so I had the sense that maybe Laura Martin did some pencils because none of this looks right. And it is a hideous cover. I don't know hmm. what you're thinking, but inside the book, the uh, interior art is uh, the pencils are done by Steven Sanders and I initially did not care for it. It was a, just a little more cartoony. Um, you know how you've got Catman Beast with his, you know, kind of short cat nose and whatnot. Well, in the book, they give him a long snout like he's a dog. And so I, I didn't care for that. And I didn't care for, for a lot of the way the characters were drawn. But here it is. I enjoyed the story so much that I looked past that. And by the end of the book, the art didn't bother me. I really enjoyed this book. I think this is setting up for a lot of fun. And I, I was not expecting a guest appearance uh, by Death's Head. And I read this right before I went to bed, and it spawned a dream. <laughs> <laughs> there is a robot in the book, and I had a robot in my dream last night. It's very strange. Well, look at, look at that. And That's see, okay. you could have dreamed about the green-haired woman. You I about? know, but I dream about the robot. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't anyway, have to call the robot in the morning. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just have to hose him off. Uh, <laughs> anyway, sword number one. I liked it. I'm in for number two. Very cool. I did not pick it up. Um, I'm glad to hear you liked it. Well, thank you, Paul. <laughs> well, you see, I got to enjoy it while I read it, and I got to enjoy it in my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, you read Witchblade. I did. I did. And, you know, I... I love Witchblade. It's usually near the top of my read pile whenever I buy it. 
Um, it's written by Ron Mars with beautiful art by Stefan Sejic. Mm-hmm. I, I love this book. I can't imagine my comic collection without Witchblade in it. I, I, that's how much I enjoy reading Witchblade. It, it is that good. I, I enjoy every issue. Um, they did hit a bit of a, a stumble um, recently. Uh, I think it was last summer. They had a, a storyline, The Broken Trinity. Yep, that was when they lost me. I hopped on around Firstborn was when I came back, and I read through that all the way up into uh, Trinity, and they lost me during Trinity. So, yeah, actually, I'm very interesting to hear that you're you're saying that it's back after that. Yeah, because you know they had the the Firstborn I thought was great, and I think they tried to replicate that with Broken Trinity last year, and it it sucked. I mean, I'll be honest, it sucked. But after that, you know, they, they built up this War of the Witchblade storyline, and for anyone who's been reading Witchblade, um, the Witchblade was split between two users. So, um, the, you know, the Witchblade is this magical suit of armor that was split between two users. The light side went to um, one character, and the dark side was with another. And um, just ended, I think, last issue or the issue before was War of the Witchblades, where the two users fought over control of the Witchblade. They didn't um, kill Danny, did they? Because I actually liked her character when they introduced her. Do you want to know? I, I would like to know. I want to know if she's alive or dead. Okay. Spoiler warning is that Danny did die. She is now the Angelus. Um, Interesting. I wouldn't have seen that one coming. Yeah. And the Angelus is, um, you know, the way the... Think about the Top Cow universe almost like we think about the the Green Lantern universe in that, you know, the Green Lanterns, there's the color spectrum. Uh, Top Cow has what's called, I think, the 12 artifacts or something like that, of which there's the Witchblade, the Darkness, the Angelus. Two more were introduced during Broken Trinity. Um, so, you know, now the with the Witchblade had, was, had two owners. Like I mentioned, there was Sarah Pizzini, who's been Witchblade since number one, and Danny Baptiste. Um, who took over the light side. They fought over it. Danny actually lost, um, but she became D'Angelis. And now Sarah Pizzini has full control over both the light and dark aspects of the Witchblade. I knew they'd have to rejoin it because the Witchblade being the balance, being you know between the, uh, the good and evil, you couldn't have it split because it's not doing its function. Exactly. The Witchblade is the basically the child of the Angelus, the light side, and the darkness, the dark side obviously duh. um and you know th- th- it's like the balance between those and so right now it is again back to sarah who is no longer evil and they started a new storyline and you know they they uh, what i like about it is it's like a they, they even have a little history on grim fairy tales in the back of it because it involves a troll under a bridge um which sounds like it could be pretty silly but you know in the hands of ron mars and you know the the art by sejic i mean this is just a great great book and one of my favorite aspects of it is they of witchblade is the mature way they look at relationships um you know you think it's a big tna book because you know people kind of assume that about top cow books but it's really not they they, they really look at their um relationships very maturely and the, the way it's presented in this book i i i really loved everything about this book i, I witchblade is essential reading I, i'm gonna say that Right now, it really is essential reading for anyone looking for a good comic book, you know, good adult superhero storytelling, because it's not, you know, it's not like Spider-Man. You're going to see the F-bomb dropped in this. You're going to see violence and there's going to be some sex, but it's it's a good adult superhero book. Sounds good. So, yeah, definitely pick it up. It's two ninety nine. you know, so you don't have to spend three ninety nine to jump in. And I think issue 132, which is the one that came out this week, is the first of a two-part storyline called The Bridge. 
if you've not read uh, Witchblade before, I think it's actually probably a halfway decent jumping on point uh, because you get a lot of what makes the book good. You get a lot of police procedural stuff, some relationship stuff, some superhero stuff, and some horror stuff all in this issue. So pick it up, Witchblade 132. Very good. Now, you also read Modern Warfare, right? I did. You know, I'm, uh, I like playing video games. I wouldn't call myself a gamer because, you know, I just don't have the time that some of these people just kind of dedicate to playing video games. Uh, but the new big release this week was Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. I'm going to stop you for just a second. These people? These people. (laughs) Gamers, sorry. (laughs) I don't have the time that gamers have to contribute to gaming. Uh Does that uh sound any better? That sounds stupider. (laughs) You just sound very judgmental and uh, politically incorrect. You do know that I used to compete on first-person shooters, right? (laughs) Technically, at at one point, I considered myself a gamer. I had a clan. We did uh, Wolfenstein Enemy Territory. And we actually were ranked number one on the ladders for a while. Wow. Look at that. So you've just you've just grossly offended our guest, Paul. <laughs> Apologize. And didn't I say – I said right before the show, I asked Aaron, I said, is there anything I need to know about Wayne? Because I don't want to offend any of his sensibilities. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's grossly offended, Paul. You owe him an apology. Sorry. <laughs> actually, he's completely right. I mean, from having been in that world, there are a lot of people like that that just have – that their entire world is whatever game they're playing at any given time. It, it's out there. You know, I've seen documentaries on gamers, you know, about some of the, some of the more, you know, like the top money making gamers, you know, who take the drugs to kind of stay awake and blah, blah, blah. So I, 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 I'm fascinated with the lifestyle. I just, I don't have that much time for, for gaming. Um, and I, I kind of wish I had more time for gaming because there's so much good stuff out there. And, you know, I'll say this call of duty, modern warfare too. I'm not a Call of Duty fan, but the game looks fantastic. And so I, I you know, I'm really curious about picking it up. And um Wildstorm put out a, a comic series uh called Modern Warfare Modern Warfare 2 Ghost, who I guess is a character in the game. Uh it's got a cover by Jim Lee. It's ri- written by David LaPam, um, who did Stray Bullets, and uh he you know, he's a good crime writer with art by Kevin West. I, I've only seen his stuff, I think, in some of uh, Wildstorm's horror books, like Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh-huh. Um, so I picked up this issue just kind of curious about the modern warfare universe. Now, I will say I'm not picking up issue two. Not because it's a bad book, because it's just not my thing. Um, you know, it, it's really like an anti-terrorism unit. Uh, you know, like a, you know, some, you know, almost like something like a, a TV show, like an anti-terrorism like 24 or something, but in a comic book format. I, I just... It's not my thing. It is well done. It is well written. The art is good. It's just not my scene. You know, if you're if you're a gamer, you know, and you like Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, you know, pick up this issue. It might, you know, help you out with the game, might give you a little bit more backstory for it. Because it is, like I said, it is not a bad issue. It's just not my style. Well, I picked up Super God number one, which I think is just a terrible title for a book. <laughs> <laughs> But it is from Avatar Press by uh, Warren Ellis. It is a fantastic book. It tells the story, instead of a nuclear arms race, uh, or after a nuclear arms race, I should say, there is a superhuman uh, arms race. And so, you know, every country is kind of building their own, you know, super powered people. And really, you know, what's, uh, what the, one of the characters says is they're building gods. 
you know, because they are so far and away from us. And what happens is, is they get out of control. So the, the book is narrated from a post-apocalyptic setting. It's after the, the, uh, superhumans have, you know, fought their battles and, and, uh, done whatever it is they do. And it flashes back to the days of the superhuman arms race. And, you know, Warren Ellis is just a, a, a terrific writer. Um, the artwork is done by, and I know I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, Gary Gastoni, uh, which is awfully appropriate to the book. You know, it sets the mood. It, uh, it's just, it's awfully interesting. My only complaint about the book is that it read very much like a zero issue. You know, I, it, it was so, it was, there was so much introduction to the setting going on that nothing really happens in the book. It was just kind of preparing you for the next issue. So it did. It felt like a zero issue. But man, this book was terrific. Uh, everything about it. I, I don't have a single complaint about the book except uh, that uh, how it seems like a, a zero issue. But anyway. So I, are, the, are the main characters super powered or are they just regular people living with the the world that's been destroyed? Well, you know, the the – from the uh, person's point of view, you know, from the narrator's point of view, he is a normal person, and he is telling the stories about uh, how we got where we were and about the creation of these superhumans. But you've not yet seen anything from the point of view of the superhuman. I just want to say that Aaron's been talking for about five minutes, and I'm still stuck on the fact that you read something not from Marvel or DC. <laughs> I read Image from time to time. I read Invincible. I read The Walking Dead. Don't judge yeah, me. Avatar. Avatar? <laughs> you read an Avatar book. I did. I read an Avatar book. Yeah, it, it doesn't count if the only other things you're reading are Kirkman titles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kirkman could write something on a napkin and I would buy it. I mean. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. did you read Haunt? You know, we've been talking about Haunt recently. I actually just got a hold of Haunt 1 and 2 this week, and like, so I'm a huge Kirkman fan. Kirkman is the only writer that I can imagine that ever got me interested in Ant-Man. Ant-Man, for God's sake, was a good title when he was writing it. <laughs> so I read through Haunt 1 and 2 this week, and basically looking at the character, I see McFarlane's influence pretty heavily in... Basically, I think McFarlane made the concept, made the appearance, and the writing is all Kirkman. Yeah. I mean, the writing in this book is incredible. The character looks kind of like, uh, to me, like Spider-Man would look if he became a house spawn. I'm not, I don't really care for the, like I said, I don't care for the look for the character. I think someone needs to buy McFarlane an anatomy book at some point so he knows just how the human body actually can bend. And I fear <laughs> that Kirkman may get a little of McFarlane's stank on him. But right now, this book is incredible. And to be honest, I don't think McFarlane's going to stick around. Yeah. I so I either. think that, uh, this is going to continue to be a great Kirkman book for, for the foreseeable future. And eventually McFarlane will just go away. Well, unfortunately, you know, Ryan Otley is, uh, doing the pencils on it. And so, you know, McFarlane's just doing the finishes. I, mm. I, I, I am with you. I don't, I don't think, uh, McFarlane sticks around beyond the first story arc. Uh, cause that's just not, not his MO these days. But, you know, I, I am, I'm hopeful that Kirkman and Otley have a really good, uh, uh, track record together so you know I'm, I'm hopeful that they'll find somebody else who can do some wonderful finishes to, to otley's pencils because that book is rocking i you know i know we're just two issues in but man that book rocks it's a kirkman does what he always does very well the the dialogue is great yeah the characterizations are great it's that guy can write I mean, yeah yeah he's got some chops 
So he made Ant Man interesting. I mean, that that should be impossible. <laughs> is there a better quote this week than the McFarland staying? <laughs> possible show title. <laughs> um. So you know, we were talking before the show started uh, about how there aren't any comics coming out the the last week of the year. You know, due to you know, um, certain union requirements and, you know, diamond distribution and blah, 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 blah. Well, there's nothing coming out from diamond, but there could be other things out. Right. But, you know, your, your big Marvel, your DC, your image comics, right. with the exception of the Blackest Night issue that will actually be in stores the week of Christmas, but won't actually be released to fans until the following week. Uh, there are no none of the big company comics that week. And so, uh, uh, Wayne, you were saying that, uh, you know, up in your area, there, there's going to be some, you know, sales and, and whatnot to get folks into the store. Yeah, my shops are all doing big pushes on uh, trade paperback sales, pushing little known indie comics, pushing everything like that. I mean, I'll probably pick up the Sinestro Corp War, Sinestro Corp War in uh, trade paperback format that week because I've been meaning to do it if it's on sale. Yeah, time yeah, to absolutely. get it. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of people, uh, you know, committing those those dollars that they would normally spend on on comics picking up you know some things that maybe they've been waiting to, to purchase um we have an interview with jake ekus who is uh, coordinating indie comic book week which is uh being held that week during when nobody else is releasing new comics uh, except for some of the smaller publishers so uh, that will be uh in here in just a few minutes on the show so stay tuned for that paul we have some contests we have a bunch of contests. We have three contests going simultaneously right now on ideologyofmadness.com. Yeah, we, we've got we've never done that. Never. Never. It is, it is reality shaking is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is multiple reality shaking. I tell you. I tell you. Uh, we have the uh, Star Trek DVD and Star Trek Countdown Trade Paperback. Which are, we have a current contest for that currently open through this coming Friday, which is the 20th. Contest ends at 5 p.m. Central Time. All you gotta do is, uh, go to, uh, hit the, uh, Wrath of Contest contest link and tell us what you think about a Star Trek movie sequel. And you'll be entered into the contest. One lucky winner gets both the two-disc special edition DVD complete with digital copy and Star Trek Countdown, the trade paperback from IDW Publishing. Yep. And I've also got, for as part of our Star Trek week, um, which was last week on ideologyofmendance.com, but you'll still see some stories filtering through, I think. Um the Star Trek glasses giveaway. Uh, these collectible glasses, there was a set of four that was given away. Uh, not given away. You had to buy them at Burger King when the movie was released in theaters. Um, you can't get them anymore. I mean, not in stores anyway. You can get them on eBay probably. Uh, but we've got a set of all four glasses that we are giving away. And instructions on how to enter that are on the site, Ideology of Madness. They're in our side banner. Um, but basically what it boils down to is just sending us an email uh, with the, the correct title of the email, and you're automatically entered to win. So um, good one there as well. Very exciting. You know, And we've got our aforementioned uh, Green Lantern Ring contest to win a set of all eight Green Lantern rings. And there are two ways to enter that. Um, one is, like I mentioned, 
leaving a leaving a comment on any of our podcasts for this month, or you can link to us uh, from your Twitter, your Facebook, or if you have a blog or any type of website, um, link to us and sending us uh, sending us a proof of the link in email to ideologyofmadness at gmail.com. And that contest is saving one lucky listener the, uh, from having to read books like Doom Patrol and uh, Rebels. Exactly. Exactly. We're saving you from the horrors of Blackest Night. <laughs> <laughs> saving the world one bad comic at a time. That's right. That's right. Well, guys, everybody, thanks for coming on today. Paul, I'm so glad that you're not underwater and that you've actually got power. Yes, me too. I'm, I'm glad I didn't have to resort to cannibalism, but... You know, maybe next time. Again. You didn't have to resort to cannibalism again. Yeah, again. Again. And Wayne, thank you so much for coming on today. It was a lot of fun. Anytime. Excellent. We'll have you back. Thanks, guys. Well, he takes it back now. <laughs> yeah, I don't really want to Anytime other than again. Yeah. Ooh. In the future, actually, ooh, I can, I can do it in the past. <laughs> this is something I actually really enjoyed because uh, as much as I love Fear the Boot, it's not a comic you know, podcast, and that's where my real passion is more than anything else. So it's nice to actually be able to have a conversation with people that read as many books or more books than I do. <laughs> between, like, basically, I have a guy at work, and I buy I buy a set of books, he buys a set of books, and then we trade. So I'm I was short like half the books I normally get this week because he's on vacation. So ah, oh wow, it saves a lot of money though, only buying half of what we normally would. That's a nice co-op. Well, you know, where can our listeners check out your podcast? Your regular podcast. www.feartheboot.com Alrighty, boys. Well, we'll see you next time right here on the show. So tell us a little bit about Indie Comic Book Week, Jake. Uh, Indie Comic Book Week is um, an event that's going to be happening on uh, starting December 30th. And it's going to be running the week from December 30th to, I guess, uh, January 6th or 7th, whichever it is. And what it is, is the week of December 30th, Diamond Distributors is not distributing any new comics uh, for, you know, this is no, not going to be any Batman, no Spider-Man, Marvel Image, Dark Horse. None of them are shipping that week. Mm-hmm. And this is mainly due to, to like UPS holidays, which have kind of mucked up the whole system for this year. You're and saying so, unions. Unions have yeah, ruined. Well, well, it's 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 something. It's something they they did something wonky with the holiday system, and 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 to where it ended up that uh, it was it was Diamond. I think was either going to have to get all the books in two weeks early or next day air everything in order to get it actually out on that Wednesday. And they right. just said, you know, that's going to be. You know, the companies can't do the two weeks early. We can't do the next day air for all our shipments. So, um, so, so, you know, not, not Diamond's fault, but for that week, no new comics on the stands, uh, with the exception of what is it? Blackest Night number seven, which, which actually the retailers are getting the week before, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. And, and no no copies of Blackest Night will leak out in that intervening seven days. No, 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 because we're, (laughs) we're all absolutely certain that every retailer will be, you know, completely forthcoming with that That's right. anyway but um so so because there are no uh new mainstream books on the shelves that week um what we've done is we're organizing indie comic book week where um we're rising the independent comic creator community to come out and put out books for that week um to fill the shelves with you know a bunch of stuff you've never seen before from a bunch of guys you probably have never heard of mm-hmm. um but nonetheless who create really great work and really you know nifty creative stuff so <laughs> so, uh, yeah. when was Indie Comic Book Week born? It was born in late August. 
I think officially, well, no, I, sh- I shouldn't say that. Originally, um, what happened was uh, there was a guy by the name of Kyle Latino, who, um, as far as I know, was one of the first people to find out about the Diamond No Ship Week. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a blog post about it, uh, and he called it Deadline 09. And it was sort of a, a you know an idea for indie creators to put out books that week, you know, so on and so forth. Um his blog made it around through a few different hands and eventually came to uh, some of us uh, independent creators here in Dallas, namely the guys associated with me in Space Gun Studios. And um, we kind of took it as, as a really good idea and said, hey, that is a, that is a great idea. Hey, we've got you know, some extra domain space. Uh, let's set up a website for it. And so we we decided that we could... Uh, build a website and a blog to kind of congregate all the the independent talent and kind of help give them a, a place to show off their work prior to and and kind of give resources and things and, and make the event um, as big as we could. Mm-hmm. And initially we had, we had kind of only planned it to go as far as like Dallas and and sort of you know our our kind of very limited geographical borders, but um, rather quickly it, it sort of ballooned much larger than that. And now we've I think we've got oh gosh I think a thirty retailers uh, participating in it, and I know we've got close to forty or forty five creators on board now. Wow, that's outstanding. Yeah, and and it's been it's been pretty pretty neat, especially especially the blog because we we set up the website which is um, www.indiecomicbookweek.com. Mm-hmm. And on the website, there's also the blog, which is attached to it. And when you go to the blog, it's all the creators making their posts about their various books and giving previews and saying where their books are going to be, you know, shown and all that. And and that blog, it went from the website went live, I think, the end of August, and throughout all of September, I think we maybe had six or seven posts. And then in October, we had twenty or thirty posts. Mm-hmm. And we are now at the 10th day of November, and we have completely outstripped October <laughs> for <laughs> posts. So it, it's ramping up pretty ge- like geometrically now. It's it's pretty it's been pretty cool. There's a lot of really good art coming out, and a lot of books that are that are going to be really neat. That's outstanding. Well, you know, it just it, it seems like the the stars just aligned just the right way to, to make room for oh, indie yeah. comic book talent to to come out and ha- have a week. I oh, mean. Definitely. I, I, I can't I'm, I I cannot think of another time when when this opportunity has occurred. It, well, no, and we've and the thing is we've been talking to to various retailers, um, you know, specifically. I mean, we've been talking to you know, the local guys, you know, Zeus and 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 Titan, you know, Jeremy and Richard, right? And um and, and yeah, no, they, you know, we talked to them both. And they're like, yeah, this is this is almost never happened before. It probably won't happen again anytime soon. But it's it's this awesome opportunity, and so we figured, you know, if we can jump on it and and you know get the ball rolling fast enough and kind of you know keep it rolling, you know, it could really turn into something very cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you know, you know, one one thinks obviously Free Comic Book Day has a has a huge corporate backing to it. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, but it would be great to see another recurring annual comic event on the calendar. It'd be nice, and and it it does it because of kind of the where everything fell. I mean, it comes around the heels of sort of the holiday season. It's you know kind of mashed between New Year's and Christmas, and and 
it it has that that benefit of there's really you know there's no conventions around that time of year most right. people are you know with their families but they've just gotten you know they, they've had christmas it's it's a good time to go out and buy things oh yeah uh, you know and so it's it's just a it's a it's a really nice time for it to occur and one well, think yeah, of think about all those guys with you know gift certificates to their comic book shops that are going out there that week oh to yeah buy new books and there's no new books but oh yeah. you guys are there Exactly, and and we're gonna try and and fill as many of those shops with with indie books as possible, and and in addition, we're trying to do things like in store signings and mm-hmm. you know other other kind of peripheral events related to it to to really make it worth everyone's time to go out and check out some of these indie books. That just sounds great. Now, I, I forgive me, but I was noticing on Twitter today you were speaking in very cryptic terms about some good news. Ah, yes, the cryptic the cryptic terms about good news, that's going to go live on the website probably tomorrow or the next day. So if this is going to release on Monday, you can tell me now. That's true. Good point. Okay. <laughs> um so so the cryptic news was uh we had been in talks with Kablam, which is a print on demand. Yeah. Uh, Guys, we've been in talks with Kablam for about, uh, oh gosh, a month now, and finally got some help from them. Which I mean, they they've always been on board for it, but we we kind of had to go back and forth on to what we we're going to do. And Kablam is giving um, all of our Indie Comic Book Week creators, guys who've signed up on the blog and previewed their books and all that, and are going to have a book out that week, um, is giving them all discounts. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, very sizable discount, a twenty percent discount on their print print runs for a certain order size of books, mm-hmm. to so that we can all you know much much more easy you know get our back stock in stuff that we can ship off to stores and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So they've they've been really helpful about that. And like I said, it, it was kind of a long back and forth process, but you know now now that we've kind of got that in, in the pipeline, we've already you know started sending out stuff to our creators and they're really overjoyed about it. It's, yeah. it's, it's helping a lot of people out. It's helping me out. For really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I speak from experience. That was a really, really cool thing to have happen. So, uh, uh, the book that you're working on, how many pages are we talking about? It's going to be a 22 page book. So a full size uh, comic, full size comic. Yes. Uh, I'm going to have a, uh, uh, at the end, I think I'm going to have probably a, a, a pin up and a letters page. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the letters page will be interesting. By the way, I'm in for the letters page. Yes, and 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 <laughs> and, and, and please have that. Do, go wild. Uh, <laughs> um. So yeah, full size comic. I'm gonna have a nice wraparound cover. It's it's should be should be a lot of fun. Excellent. So. How what's your print run gonna be? Uh, right now I'm looking at probably about a hundred. Uh huh. Um. We'll see. We'll see if that changes a little closer to when I actually take it into print, which will probably be end of next week. And what's your cover price gonna be? Uh, I'm going to shoot for three bucks. I, I don't want to price my book any, any higher than anything else that's on the stands. Cause right. that, you know. Well, you know, if you, if you wanted to go three ninety nine, you could put in some reprints from previous work. Yeah, I could do that. <laughs> but I, I personally feel that would be kind of cheap. Yeah. So. You know, you could call it, you know, giant size screw you, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, could you, I mean, I'm deadly curious as to what what what's your book about. I know we don't want to go into too much detail, you know, because it's still early. But oh, I, can, I can give the general pitch. Um, my book is called Solomon Azua, and it's about the eponymous hero Solomon. He's a um, sort of a, a an adventurer in a sci-fi futuristic universe. Um, 
and he's known as the luckiest man alive and due in no small part to his adventuring and all of his exploits. And uh, he's, he's kind of gotten a complex about it over the years and that he's really tired of everyone attributing all of, you know, these cool things that he's done to his radical good fortune. And so he's decided he's going to go and get himself something of a small band of people together to come with him on one of his adventures to sort of prove to the universe, you know, Hey, I'm not just lucky. I'm actually this good. And, um, you know, it's kind of backfired on him to a certain degree where, you know, his his adventures get bigger and bigger and bigger, and that actually only feeds the whole luck angle. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so it just becomes irksome for him. But it's um, a pulp space adventure. There, It's kind of, you know, lots of uh, lots of action, a little bit of comedy, lots of adventure, that sort, that sort of deal. Well, and I, I've seen a couple of your pages, uh, Jake, of this book, and I, I'm really impressed. I'm looking forward to picking it up. Thank you. Thank you. I, I've been. I actually was. I, I have them in front of me. I've been coloring all evening. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am coloring a couple of those pages you saw right now. Now, are you hand coloring? Or are you using your brand new Cintiq? Oh, I, oh, I oh. am using the brand new Cintiq for this. Oh, oh yes, and and it's 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 delightful. <laughs> yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> Positively delightful. <laughs> really got to get me one of those. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're, su- they're so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Worth every bit. <laughs> So is there still time for creators or retailers to participate? Oh, yes. Um, creators are probably going to have the hardest time right now um, just because it's going to be it's such a quick turnaround. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, most likely any creators who want to get on board, best they're going to be able to do is do a mini comic just because of the time involved. Mm-hmm. Or if they've got something kind of ready to go that was going to be released at a different time that they could release you know, right. for this week. We, we, we do prefer people to, to put out stuff that people haven't seen before, mm-hmm. but you know, we also understand, I mean, this was a brutally quick turnaround. Literally, you know, literally we got the word beginning of August, the website went up end of August. It's, it's been barely three months. Now, are you a hundred percent finished with your inks? Or are you still working on pages? Oh, I'm still working on some pages. How many yeah, pages I, are, are, are you lacking? Uh, that's kind of a fluctuating number because I'm 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 not doing it well I'm not I'm not doing it all in like really rigid you know oh pencil ink color I'm 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 dancing around between all the different steps as to what what is easiest for me to do at that moment without sure. pulling my hair out so it's it's a fluctuating number uh, uh uh I'm not as I'm not as far in as I would like but it will be done by by the day of I'm not, I'm not worried about that. But, how, yeah. how much lead time do you have to have to get it off to the printer? Um, smart, safe lead time is four weeks. Oh wow! Um, yeah. So That's, you've got to be done here uh, right after about Thanksgiving. Four or five days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, for, well, if if I want a full because because here's the thing, also some shops want the books a week early because they're ah. like they're part of chains. Right. So they'll be sending off to different other folks as well. Gotcha. So yeah, it, it kind of, it kind of gets hairy. It, you know, if I, if, <laughs> if I just need books for the absolute day of, yeah, I, after Thanksgiving, I'm good. If mm-hmm. I want it before then, um, I either need to put it in on the 15th or I have to, um, pay for a shorter print run time. Right. Which that's, that's all kind of, I, I, I factored a budget for this and, and, you know, planned some, some buffer in there, some, Oh no, everything's going wrong money just to, <laughs> just to make sure, you know, <laughs> If, if 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 it comes to that, you know we've got we've got a cushion. There's a safety net. You know it'll it'll be out for the event, and I'm not I'm not concerned about that. It's excellent. Well, I'm excited. I, I when you guys announced this, I was just like, you know, that is a brilliant idea. 
And, you know, there's so, there's so much talent out there that we just never get to see because, you know, retailers can't afford to have it in their shops a lot of times. Yeah. So, so I, I, I just love this opportunity to, to get to see all that crazy, wild, neat stuff that, that you guys have been hiding from us. Why are you keeping it from me, Jake? <laughs> Why are you keeping the cool from me? Well, answer me. I, you know, I, I got, I got nothing for you, man. So I've, I've had the, the basic story idea for Solomon for over a year now. I was originally going to submit it to Zuda and, and this, this uh, came around and I was like, you know, but this is I, much cooler than Zuda. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, and also it's, it's nicer because I really like the format better. Zuda has that funky, like, you know, horizontal format. And, uh-huh. And that's just hard to wrap your brain around. I don't. I don't want to have to do that extra brain work. <laughs> it's 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 enough working on a twenty-two page book. I don't need the extra. Headache. I draw pretty pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm writing it too, so I'm doing the whole the whole shebang. It's 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 a it's a it's a big long process. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jake, now we're we're wishing you nothing but success here, and we're we'll have you back. Uh, uh, a little bit before Indie Comic Book Week, so we can talk about it in a little bit more detail. But I sure do appreciate you coming on tonight. Thank you for having me. I appreciate uh, you guys putting it out there. Love, love the podcast, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and before you go, why don't you tell uh, retailers who they can contact if they want to participate? Uh, retailers can contact um, either myself or any of the other Indie Comic Book Week team. Um, they can contact us at IndieComicBookWeek at gmail.com. That's Indie spelled I-N-D-Y. And just send us an email and say, tell us you're a retailer and we'll, you know, that's the other thing. We're putting retailers on the site. So we're, you know, we're promoting them just as much as they're going to help us. That's outstanding. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jake. All right. Y'all have a good hey, one. You too. Nice meeting you, Jake. Nice meeting you, Paul. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. I don't want people to make fun of me, so I'll talk about Casper on the site instead of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Um,